Welcome to Take 10. We come to you at the end of each of our regularly scheduled programs. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel, and we're joined by Dr. Jamie Heisman, nationally known expert in addictions and caregiving. And Carol, you came up with a great topic, and that is, so your loved one needs care. You've been the caregiver. Is there fear of someone else coming in to care for him or her? Yeah, real or imaginary, because when you talk about having somebody come into your house, the first thing people say is, I don't want a stranger in my house. They're going to rob me. They're going to be a bad person. Um, Or you might, you know, and that might be true, (laughs) Um, but it might not be true. So, but people are resistant to letting somebody else care for their loved one. And you can because no one can do it as well as I no can. No one can do it as well. So Jamie, you know, um, let's just can we talk? Let's talk about fear in general, whether it's real or imaginary. Why don't people want to let someone else care for their loved one? Well, remember the acronym for fear, Carol. Right? False evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Right. And and so that issue of fear always goes back to how we're feeling about ourselves. You know, when we project ourselves in our world of fear, this fear-based world, we're jumping out of our own health and wellness. We don't trust, literally, what's going on around us. We're not here in the moment. Now, I don't want to make it trite in terms of what caregivers' concerns are, because there really are legitimate fears here. And I know what you said about the questions to ask or is somebody safe to be with our loved one? I even have bigger clinical concerns is, is that the person who is with our loved one is terribly burnt out, non-attentive, and has taken care of two or three people that day. How helpful are they going to be with our loved one? So I guess fear is always abated if we don't assume and we start asking a lot of questions. Well, I think that's a really good point. So, you know, the first thing, if we're going to let somebody in the house, we either want to hire them from an agency who's done a background check or we want to do a background check ourselves. Absolutely. And I think you got it right there. I mean, obviously, bonded agencies and groups that have done the yeoman's amount of due diligence, I mean, we really do have to rely on them. They're bonded, of course, and they're hopefully insured and they're putting their reputation out there. But I'd even go one step further and try to change our industry. And you who run the Charitable Foundation with so many fabulous senior programs probably get this. I think it's important for us as family caregivers to go to those agencies and say, look, I have a fear that the person you may be sending me could be totally qualified and you believe they're great. You've done all the background checks. But literally, how are you taking care of that direct service worker? Are you allowing them to have burnout and compassion fatigue sort of seminars? Are you giving them enough time and space? Are you actually paying them appropriately? So I don't think, even though we go to a bonded group, that they have to be absolved of all these questions either. I fear, I fear, Jamie, that many organizations when asked those questions would say, what are you talking about? You must be some looney tune. We can't do that. You know, it, it, it is a, it's a game changer in terms of actually this competitive world of, of direct service. You and I know that there's groups out there. I guess I'll, re, I'll leave it nameless, but we know there's a huge amount of caregiver groups out there that literally are receiving X amount of dollars, of course, and that goes to their company, and they're usually paying about half of that. Right, so they're getting the $25 an hour, and they're paying actually $7 an hour. Wow, so that's even worse. So look at that way. I mean, we don't have a... 
a minimum wage law. That's an entire different conversation. But you're right. You're right. And do we want the lowest paid person who's most burned out taking care of the people who are most precious to us? Now, let me take another spin on this, because the, the other way to look at it is the caregiver who is resistant to bringing someone else in. Uh, is it perhaps their guilt, their feeling of I should be doing this myself? I shouldn't be letting this go. It's my responsibility that's driving that feeling. Well, it's without a doubt the Superman complex, Ron. It's the it's the martyr, you know, in on steroids. I mean, this is the way a caregiver approaches it. Nobody, but nobody can do it like me, which is actually the prescription for terrible, terrible problems up the line for your mind and your body and your soul. Because if you're the only person that can take care of this person, where is your life? Talking about burnout. That's burnout, and that's also unfortunately not helpful. To the person we're taking care of. People think that's helpful, but if they're not feeling safe and they're in the presence of an anxious person doing everything, who's overloaded, not eating properly, not exercising, I mean, how good do they feel? He's Dr. Jamie Heisman. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Take 10. We come to you at the end of our regular scheduled programs. Along with Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. Carol, as you listen to what Dr. Jamie says, makes sense. Well, no, it does make sense, um, and I'm wondering if the if the first step, you know, if we were in a ten step program, if the first step um, is acknowledging that no one else is going to take care of your loved one like you do, for better or worse, it's not going to be like you do it. Well, that's an acceptance, isn't it? Isn't every program, even religious religion that we know of, is about accepting and letting go, and accepting in this case that no matter how it's done, you're never going to feel it's up to your standard. Well, and, and that's got to be okay. You know, it's um, when my son was little, and, and maybe even sometimes now, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when my husband, I have to go out of town on a business trip, and, and dad's in charge, and what's, you know, my son eating, and what's he wearing, and is he tardy for school, and all of these things. And, you know, at some point, you just have to say, you know what? He, I, when he's out of town, I do the best I can. When I'm out of town, he does the best he can. And we're both good parents. We're both trying. It's going to be okay. But guys have different priorities. Well, they cleaning do, up, but let me Cleaning up the dishes who, immediately. Everybody enters the caregiver world, Ron, sees perfectionism as the goal. I think, and I'm sure Carol would agree, that really perfectionism is the four-letter word associated with caregiving. Meaning four-letter word negative. Negative. Is I mean, it, fair, is it bad negative? Look, see, and, and, see, we're even questioning. Oh, you mean perfectionism is a negative? <laughs> is that what you're saying, Jamie? Yeah, what's wrong with that? Head, if you can't put your head down that pillow and just say, "I did the best I can," then there's something wrong, and you probably need to go and look at that with a therapist. Right, and and and, and so so it's very healthy to let go of our perfectionism. Um, and let go of our need to be in charge and let go of our need to do everything ourselves because we we have to create space for us to take care of ourselves. Doesn't expectation come into this as well? Well, Ron, we always say that expectations are always the seeds of resentment, right? So yes. Maybe your expectations don't have to, to be there. The expectation that we do the best we can and also the, the need not to assume and ask all the questions we can until we find the answers we're comfortable with, I believe that's very important. To this whole issue we're talking about, never forget, 
the more controlling we get, which is, again, the fear of not allowing somebody in, the more out of control we usually are. Well, and, and I should say for anyone listening, there, there are also different ways to get help. Let's not forget about um, letting your loved one go to a group setting like adult daycare or adult day health care if they have chronic health conditions so that you're not letting a stranger into your home. Um, they are going to be among a group of people which, you know, can feel safer and it's certainly more social and, and might even be more enjoyable. So there you're may right. be a, an alternative to I've got to have somebody come into my home. So you're saying that we should all go to a caregiver SOS, right, Carol? Well, I'm saying that they, a, a caregiver SOS that there or are daycare. that there are resources. I mean, what you're saying is is let's let's talk to our local aging and disability resource center, our local area agency on aging, our local caregiver resource center, and find out what our options are because we may be afraid of something when there's a perfectly viable option that will work very well. Touche. Got about a minute left, Jamie. Your last thoughts. You know, Ron, I think that you have a great uh, definite conundrum here that Carol brought up for all caregivers out there. Until we alleviate ourselves from this fear, this fear will enslave us. And it's not doing our loved ones any good by us having this anxiety. What Carol says is spot on. Go to the local resources that deal with senior care and respite. Respite, obviously, is allowing yourself to take a break and ask them the same questions that you're fearful of. And no doubt, as Carol Carol just alluded to, you're going to find the answer you need to hear. Thank you. Carol, last thought. Well, that's it. Asking the questions, don't let fear cause you inaction. You know, be proactive. Take some action to overcome that fear and get the help you need. She gets the last word on Take 10. We thank you for joining us. For Dr. Jamie Heisman and Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. We will talk with you soon.